as we continue our series in the book of Ecclesiastes. Let us pray though before we look again at it. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks. We thank you for your word. And we pray that as we look at your word now, we would see from Ecclesiastes the limits of human wisdom. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. <coughs> well, throughout human history, wise men and philosophers have pondered the big questions of life. From the ancient philosophers of Greek, like Socrates and Plato and Aristotle, through to the modern philosophers of France, of Descartes and Derrida and Foucault, they have bent their minds to the big questions and struggled to find meaning. And they're still looking. And so is our wise man, our philosopher, the writer of Ecclesiastes. He has searched for meaning in almost everything done under the sun and failed. And now he turns to the subject of wisdom. Is there meaning in wisdom? Is there any profit or gain? Is there a point to acquiring wisdom? Well, let's go back to Ecclesiastes 2 and find out what he discovered. As you look at verses 12 to 14, you see that the first thing the writer sees about wisdom is that it does provide a light to life. In other words, wisdom can inform our choices in life and help us to make smart choices, more of them, and less of the not-so-smart choices in life. Wisdom is like a help section on a computer program. It tells us how to do things the best way though sometimes it's hard to interpret. And so wisdom is useful in life. It also has an element of power to it. If you fast forward through to chapter 7, verse 19, it says this. Wisdom makes, wisdom makes one wise person more powerful than ten rulers in a city. When the writer looks at the world, he sees wisdom giving those who hold it great power. The power of ten rulers in a city, with all their armed followers, plus the resources of their city, are less than the wisdom of a solitary wise man or woman. Wisdom gives great power. And this is what we look at when we look at the world too, isn't it? It is the wise who make the smart moves, who succeed in life. For life is not about university degrees, for you can obtain many degrees but still make poor choices in life. It's about thinking and reflecting on the patterns of life and choosing a pattern that brings money and power or happiness, well, all three. Wisdom is power and that makes it useful. And verses 11 to 12 of chapter 2 points out that wisdom also provides a little bit of security. No, it's not chapter 2. It must be a different chapter. It's chapter 7. Wisdom, like an inheritance, is a good thing and benefits those who see the sun. Wisdom is a shelter, as money is a shelter. But the advantage of knowledge is this, 
Wisdom preserves those who have it. So wisdom, like money, is a bit of a shelter and provides some security. When trouble or misfortune comes, wisdom is as useful as money in protecting you. Like a shield in battle, it provides the one who possesses it with a way of dealing with the troubles of life. You can think of it as someone can think a way out of their predicament. Uh, just like others might buy their way out of a predicament or use force to escape trouble. Wisdom can even save your life. And so wisdom provides some measure of security. A light to life, power and some measure of security and that's not bad. So wisdom is not to be despised and we mustn't read Ecclesiastes as saying that wisdom is awful. It's good. But as we see in the next verse, wisdom has its limitations. Look at verse 13. Consider what God has done. Who can straighten what he has made crooked? When times are, are good, be happy. But when times are bad, consider this. God has made the one as well as the other. Therefore, no one can discover anything about their future. Wisdom is limited because there is some trouble that even the wise cannot think their way out of. To some extent, even the wise are at the mercy of the times. And if you think that sounds familiar, then you're right. We saw it back in chapter 3 when we looked at the seasons of life. And what the writer to Ecclesiastes is doing here is that he's bringing this to bear on those who have wisdom also. That is, even the wise cannot entirely escape the fact that they are victims of time and chance because they are human. The seasons of life rule our lives and their lives as well. And so the future is as unknown to them as it is for us. And we know this instinctively to be true, don't we? For as we look at the world ourselves, we see that sometimes it doesn't matter how wise you are, that some bad times may still come your way. Be it disease or disaster or war, wise people can still get hurt by the bad times of life. At the end of the day, the future is still a great unknown even to the wise. Wisdom has its limits, for the wise can still only respond to the times in which they live. The seasons also dictate their lives. But what other buts can we find? Well, in chapter 7 we see verse 23, there's more. For you know in your heart that many times you yourself have cursed others. That's verse 22, and it is all this I tested by wisdom, and I said, I am determined to be wise, but this was beyond me. Whatever exists is far off and most profound. Who can discover it? Here we see another but, and that is that wisdom itself is almost impossible to find. True ultimate wisdom is elusive. The writer tries again in verse 25 but gives up again by the time they get to chapter 8, verse 1. 
In verse 24, he's not even sure what wisdom is. You see, friends, the wise thing to do is always a matter of opinion. We can all see what the wise thing was to do and the foolish thing to do in hindsight. Hindsight's always twenty twenty. I don't know about you, but I can always work out what I should have done. And that's true of all of us, isn't it? We look back and go, oh, yeah, that was the, the dumb thing to do, and that's what I did. Oh. Or that was the wise thing to do, and I just happened to pick it. Woo! There you go. But we cannot see the wise thing or the foolish thing as clearly when we look forwards. We cannot predict what the end result of every action will be. And if we can't predict that an action will result in something good, how do we know if it's the wise thing to do? And so ultimate wisdom remains elusive if all we use is our eyes and our brain. Note that limitation. It's elusive because it relies on us seeing the general patterns of life. But the problem is these are only general patterns and exceptions, like in the English language, are always there. Except in life, it's even more unpredictable. Ultimate wisdom remains elusive. It's not looking good, is it? But it looks even worse when we consider death. So let's go back to Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verse 14. But I came to realize that the same fate overtakes them both. Then I said to myself, the fate of the fool will overtake me also. What then do I gain by being wise? I said to myself, this too is meaningless. For the wise like the fool will not be long remembered. The days have already come when both have been forgotten. Like the fool, the wise too must die. Ultimately, the writer concludes that there is no gain or profit in being wise. It doesn't provide meaning, in other words. It doesn't help the writer that he is wise because the writer, along with the fool, suffers the same fate. They both die and are then forgotten. Death makes wisdom meaningless. What is the point in being wise if all you do is delay the inevitable? Yes, wisdom might be a shelter and protect us from some bad events, but in the end, the bad event called death is coming for us, whether we're foolish or wise. It might be a light to live life, but what point is that if we're not alive? Wisdom might give power, but the dead are powerless as well as lifeless. Death makes wisdom meaningless. 
It is transitory, just like us. It does not last. So then what should we do? What would the wise man do if wisdom is rendered meaningless by death? Well, the wise man would consider death, of course. Go back to chapter 7, you'll see he does that in verse 1. He says, a good name is better than fine perfume and the day of death better than the day of birth. It is better to go to a house of mourning than to go to a house of feasting. For death is the destiny of everyone the living should take this to heart. Frustration is better than laughter because a sad face is good for the heart. The heart of the wise is in the house of mourning, but the heart of fools is in the house of pleasure. So the writer concludes that if death is the destiny of the wise man as well as the fool, then it is wise to remember death. Death is our destination to which we are all headed. And so it's good to keep our destination in mind. And this saves us from some foolish pride, thinking that our wisdom, our smarts, are, are going to somehow make us live forever. And it stops us from seeking meaning in wisdom itself. For death makes wisdom meaningless. And so it is wise for the wise to remember their death. Now friends, this is true wisdom. To remember death is critical. For one day, whether we are wise or whether we are foolish, we shall meet death. And the wise person is ready for their death. But it seems to me that we are often keen as modern Australians to do the exact opposite, to remember death. Even at funerals, we are often keen afterwards to talk about anything but death. don't know if you've noticed that. There's some small chat about the person and then move on, on swiftly to other topics like the weather or sport and that's preferable to pausing and remembering death but it is wise to remember death because death is the destiny of every man woman and child no matter how wise they are and it renders our wisdom habel transitory, like the mist, it passes away like us. So where is there meaning in life? Well, let me say again, we'll have to wait to chapter 12 of Ecclesiastes. You can't, you can't give you the answer straight away. That, that ruins the book. But we are getting closer to the answer which is, of course, is found in the one true wise man of the Scriptures, the Lord Jesus. So we will find wisdom that lasts in him. But for now, what we've found is that the meaning in life is not to be found in human wisdom. 
we cannot think our way to meaning. If you've ever read the convoluted thinkings of all the philosophers, you'll see that they do a lot of convoluted thinking and don't really arrive at much answer. Human wisdom is another pointless activity under the sun. It might make life a little bit more comfortable, and that's not to be sniffed at, but in the end we don't gain anything that lasts from human wisdom. So friends, let us not spend our lives on philosophy courses, thinking that in them we will find meaning. For they have been searching for centuries in philosophy and have found not very much at all. We cannot think our way by ourselves to wisdom and meaning. So instead, let us trust in the God who is meaning. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks. We thank you that today you have shown us something else that does not produce meaning. That human wisdom by itself cannot think its way to meaning. It does not last. For the same fate overtakes the wise as well as the fool. Death waits for us all. And we pray that we would spend time thinking about our coming deaths. Thinking about that destination. And then trusting in your son Jesus. And relying on him for life and wisdom and meaning. Amen.